Hey everyone, welcome to The Well. It is always a pleasure to have you here. Of course, my name is Dylan Bowman, and this week we're talking to British ultra sensation Tom Evans. Tom has become one of my absolute favorite athletes to follow on the scene during his quick and meteoric rise in the sport. He's really only been on the scene for a few years, but in my opinion, has already established himself as one of the world's best. And we obviously talk uh, a bit about his career and what he thinks has contributed to his success so far, but we go into some detail on his background, including, including his military career and how he thinks the skills he acquired there have carried over and contributed to his success as an athlete. We talk about his professional approach to the sport, uh, the importance of self-belief when it comes to performance, the importance of balancing our physical fitness with emotional fitness, and uh, yeah, just the importance of doing the little things in order to be successful at anything in life. It really is my opinion that the sky is the limit for Tom. I think he's got an incredibly bright future ahead, and in a lot of ways, he represents the future of professional trail and ultra running. And even without a lot of years of experience under his belt, Tom really has a ton of wisdom to share in this podcast. So I hope you all enjoy this conversation with myself and Tom Evans. Okay, here we are. I'm joined by British ultra runner, Tom Evans. Tom, thanks for taking the time today. How are Hello, things over? You, thanks. Thanks, for, uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. How are things over in the UK? Yeah, good. Um, I guess, yeah, everyone's had a, a pretty crazy year. Um, and we're sort of, it appears that we're sort of slightly starting to get back to a little bit of normality, which seeing seeing a bit more of friends, seeing a bit more family, sort of started doing a little bit more racing, which is really nice, but all in the UK. But yeah, it's everything is uh everything's going well. How about you? How's how's things over in the US? Yeah, things things are okay. I mean, obviously the whole coronavirus thing is uh impacting everybody around the world, but it seems we're still uh at least a little bit behind you uh our European counterparts and uh yeah, now here where I live, there's a, a bunch of really scary wildfires. And so we basically can't even go outdoors because the, the air is so hazardous. So I've been better, but you know, like no complaints, um, you know, still a privileged person. And uh, it's a it's a fun and um, an honor to be able to sit down and chat with you today. So, um, you know, I figure, you know, as a fan of yours and somebody who's, you know, more familiar with your career, I think I'm maybe more of the the exception than the rule, especially stateside. Yeah. And uh, I want to use this as an opportunity to, you know, really kind of help the U.S. audience in particular get a better idea of who you are and, uh, yeah, hopefully get you a few more fans because uh, I think you have a, a super bright future. But that being the case, I figure we start by, um, you know, just going over some background. Obviously, you're, you're well-established in the scene now, but you've had a really quick sort of meteoric rise in the sport. And uh, I think you have a really interesting story. So I think uh, the best place to start is for you to just briefly tell us a bit about your upbringing, your experience in the military and, and how you eventually fell into trail and ultra running. Yeah, but no, thanks so much. Yeah. So I guess for me, 
growing up, I got born in the UK and have always lived in the UK. Um, and for those who have been to the UK, if you drew a line directly down from London, about three quarters of the way down is where where home is for me. So it's not it's not mountainous. There are some small hills. Like the biggest hill is maybe six hundred feet. So not uh, not hilly at all. Um, and yeah, growing up, like I guess, kind of similar to you, I was into into all different types of sport and sort of played rugby, played soccer, sort of played cricket, played a bit of everything, and and loved it and loved that that real challenge. And I guess for me, going through school, my school reports were always like, if Tom gave as much of himself in the classroom as he does on the sports pitches, <laughs> could have a really bright future. <laughs> me too, uh, dude. Totally me too. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so, I think it's where like our education system doesn't necessarily fail the kids growing up, but it's like, there's so much more to life than being able to achieve really good grades in school. And if you look at sort of the top of the like Forbes wealth list now, a significant proportion of those people did terribly at school. Right. Uh, and so, yeah. And so I left, I left school when I was 18 and I joined, I joined the British army and British army is a little bit different to the U S army. Um, but I went to the equivalent of West point. Um, whereas for us, it's, it's a year long and you don't get a, you don't get a degree at the same time. It's purely military. Mm. Um, and when I, while I was there, I was lucky enough to go to West Point. Um, and I spent maybe two, two and a half, three weeks over at West Point um, doing like a bit of a military competition, which was amazing. So I've got some, some good American, some good friends um, who served in the US, which is really cool. Um, and yeah, I guess for me, like wanting to join the army at that point, it was a choice of, do I go to university and play loads of sport, have a great time, but leave still not really knowing what I want to do. And I guess at that point, like I was, I was driven to, to challenge myself. I always wanted to better myself, whether that was learning more about a sport that I was playing or something or just general fitness, not running at all. Like I was, I ran a bit, I ran on the track a little bit when I was at school, but that was just to stay fit. So Mm -hmm. I was then better at the team sports that I was playing. Um, and that sort of kind of went went on while I was in the army and then left Sandhurst after a year and joined the infantry. Um, and so in the UK, like our regimental system is all about sort of tradition and heritage. And it's it's quite old fashioned set up. Um, and I joined a regiment called the Welsh Guards. So for half of the time, they're doing ceremonial duty. So standing outside Buckingham Palace with the big hat on <laughs> uh, and the red jacket. Um, so did some, really, did some really cool stuff like that. And it's definitely not why I joined the army. And at the time I was thinking, this is horrendous. This is not for me. <laughs> I just want to leave. Um, but uh, looking back on it now, like being able to say that I've done all of these cool things like trooping of the colour for the Queen's birthday parade and doing changing of the guard at Buckingham Palace and stuff like that is really cool. And you can't, yeah, no matter who you are, like you can't just 
if you fancy doing it, you can't just go and do it. So it's a massive privilege. Yeah. Um, and then did some really cool, some really cool other things. And I spent quite a bit of time in, in East Africa, in Kenya, um, while I was serving. And while I was, while I was away there, we were living at 2000 meters, so 6,000 feet. Um, mm-hmm. so got pretty fit out there and did a little bit of running and I had a bit of holiday. And instead of coming back to the UK, I, I went to E10 and, I trained with the Kenyans because I was really interested in it. I wasn't a, an elite athlete. I wasn't a, a very particularly good runner. I was fit, but it wasn't specific at all. And mm. yes, yeah, so about there, so I've just jumped into the marathon training with a couple of other sort of European guys and girls. And yeah, it was, it was really cool. And this would have been in 2015. Um, so it came back to the UK and I was like, right, well, I really enjoyed the running side of it. And at that point I was still playing a little bit of rugby and mm. I was rocking up to work sort of on a Monday morning, like with a black eye and <laughs> bits and bits missing. So I was like, I just, I was at the stage where like I wanted to grow up and sort of focus on my career a little bit more. And I was like, I just can't, I can't keep doing this, but I want to keep challenging myself. So yeah. And that's, I guess that's when I then started sort of the more endurance side of sports and, but mainly as a as a challenge, something to do mm-hmm. on a to do on a weekend, to go on a long run or a long hike or a long bike ride. It was just something to yeah, something to do, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so from there, like I had some friends who did a race called Marathon de Saab, um, so a 250 kilometer, 150 mile, multi stage, self supported race across the Sahara. They, they did it in 2016 and when they, and they did really well, there's probably 2000 runners who, who do it each, each year and they finished top 300. So they were over the moon and for amateurs, that's, that's really good. And yeah. I guess in, in the military, it's a, it's pretty competitive. People are sort of saying, Oh, I reckon I could do better than you, but having absolutely no evidence to back it up. <laughs> so I was like, Oh yeah, you guys do really well, but I think I could do better. And having never done, never raced further than probably 5K, um, but I was like, oh, I reckon I can do better than you. And said this in the pub after a couple of beers and one thing led to another and I ended up, I signed up to the race and ended up getting a place. Um, and yeah, that would have been sort of coming up to Christmas 2006, 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, and I then did the race in April, 2017. Um, and yeah, and that's, and dude, that's how I, that's how I, I started off a drunken, <laughs> off a drunken bed with some friends. Um, the race that the race then came around and had a really good race and spoke to, spoke to a couple of guys in the U S who had done the race before being like, I just, I don't know what really to expect, what to do. So messages with people like Mike Wardian who had, done it and I then ended up getting to race with Mike the year after in Costa Rica um and we spoke about the sort of Instagram chat we had had with him and he was like I can't believe you were asking me for advice I'm like dude you're a a hero legend yeah and so yeah I did that um and had had a really good race completely unexpected and after that got invited to some other races um got invited to the Iger Ultra Trail 100K. So did yeah. that race. And at that point, I was then ranked, I think, 
fourth in the Ultra Trail World, World Tour, Tour. Mm-hmm. which sounds great, but in reality, it means nothing. Um, yeah. And so I managed to, without having, because for, for UTMB and all of those races, you have to have a certain amount of points yeah. scored in the year before. I had never raced before. So I had, ze- according to UTMB, I had zero points. Right. Yet I was ranked fourth in the... In the World Tour. In, yeah. in the Ultra World Tour, which is really heavily involved with UTMB. So I managed to, to blag myself a place at CCC. Yeah. Maybe two weeks before the start line. And I rock up to, um, rock up to the race registration and they hadn't, I didn't have a number. Yeah. Um, so they they had to hand write my number <laughs> uh, and my name uh, on my bib. Yeah, yeah. uh, it, it was so cool. Yeah. Um, and like I didn't start in the elite area. I started with the masses, um, which makes no difference because you're only you're a meter behind them. Yeah. And um, ended up ended up finishing fourth in CCC that year um, yeah. when Hayden won. Um, yeah. Yeah, and that was sort of 2017 and. And had a really good year in 2018, sort of raced Coastal Challenge uh, in yeah. Costa Rica, which is an incredible race with Hayden um, and Mike Wardian. Then on to um, the Trail Running World Championships uh, in Penigolosa, um, which, yeah, it was incredible. And sort of my first, that was sort of my first real experience of sort of a, a big race with so many incredible competitors from all around the world. All the races have yeah. been there were a couple of good athletes, a couple of really good athletes, but yeah, it just, yeah, the, uh, that was sort of kind of the first time that I thought, right, I could do, I, re- I, I knew I enjoyed it, but I was like, right, I could, I really want to focus on this. And yeah, then ended up training, training properly for, for CCC in 2018. Um, when you won. And fortunate enough to win. Yeah. Um, it was just, just incredible. I think going, I think going into the race, I think I was ranked something like 20th. Um, yeah. And yeah, to be able to go and, and win. And like, I was, that's what I, that was the result I was hoping for. Like, I thought I had done the work, but mm-hmm. that was my, that was my second 100K. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my, that was my third 100K. So still probably on the start line with the least amount of experience out of anyone. Right. Um, certainly in race miles. And yeah, and then, yeah, had a had a great year, and then last year sort of didn't race quite as much, um, but managed to get got a place at uh, Western States and yep. raced a couple of times in the US, which was which was incredible. Got to race at Lake Sonoma as well, um, and yeah, that sort of takes me yeah. takes me end of end of um, twenty nineteen, and then fortunate enough to get out to New Zealand at the beginning of this year and race Tarawera um, yeah. before everything sort of shut down. Um, yeah. Cool. Well, we'll go, we'll go into all that stuff, but I appreciate the the background and, uh, I think it'll help the listeners get a better appreciation for who you are, particularly, you know, the, the early part of your life. Um, and I, I think there's a lot of uh, similarities between both of our stories. You know, I was also much more focused on athletics than academics when I was a kid and, uh, also, you know, a team, team sport athlete and, and not like a, a trained endurance athlete. And, um, you know, came, came to the sport more like on, on a whim, on a challenge before, you know, recognizing that it could turn into more of a lifestyle and a career, which, uh, you've done a really good job cultivating for yourself. But I want to kind of 
linger on the, the military career for a little bit, because I think it's a really interesting part of your story. And, um, those of us who are familiar with you will know that you have your sort of patented salute, your military salute, uh, at which you do at the finish line. Uh, I think at every race, no matter, no matter your place is sort of a symbol of your respect, um, for that, that military experience. Um, I'm curious what motivated you to go into service for your country at the point when you did, when you were 18. And do you see any similarities in, in what motivated you to do that and what's motivated you to be a a great athlete? Yeah, definitely. I think at the time it was, yeah, I guess I really wanted, I've always been looking for something to to challenge me and for something to to push me and for me I sort of saw yeah it, at that decision right do I do I go to university and play sport and do stuff for myself or do I do sort of the selfless thing and make that commitment to a higher a higher authority and and be able to give give something and learn learn lots of things in the process like did I did I think that I was going to serve a whole my whole sort of working life doing that at the beginning, probably not. Like I'd only sort of really thought, right, I'm just going to do, I want to do however many years, have a great time, learn some new skills, keep testing myself. And so sort of the day that I feel like I can't test myself anymore is sort of the day that, the day that I, I won't enjoy it anymore. And it was mm-hmm. purely sort of a, yeah, I want to test myself. Like playing, I've always found that, I and still now, even people think that ultra trail running is an individual sport, which it is when you're on the start line. But in order to get to the start line, it's a massive team effort. Yeah, be that like there's be that sort of friends and family having to make time for you to be able to go and do your training or look after you after a race and all of these things to coaches to you to partners to whatever. It's it's a massive team effort and. For me, that team environment, having that like, core belief and that core ethos, to, mm-hmm. I found for me it was just such a strong thing. And coming from a team sports background, I performed my best when I was surrounded by like-minded people who wanted to achieve the same thing. Um, and yeah, I guess there was a bit of like serving serving your country. Like in the UK, I think the the military scene a little bit different to to what it is in the US. Like yes there is a lot of there's a lot of respect for it but i remember i went to i went on holiday to the us when i was maybe 12 years old um and it would have been sort of end of iraq beginning of afghanistan era mm. and you would hear sort of announcements queuing up for sea world saying if you're serving military or ex military and you've got your id card show it and you you're going for free and jump the queue and do everything and like, there's just in the uk like there's like, that's just not that just doesn't exist. Um, which I think, which I think is really interesting. And I've, I've spent a bit of time in the U S while I was serving and it was, people would sort of come up to you and say, Oh, like, thank you for your service. And not once has anyone in the UK said, wow, thank you. So I I think, I think it's, I think it's really interesting. So yeah, yes, there is that cause for serving, serving your country, but it's not, it's pretty different to how it's perceived in the US. And I always found that super interesting. So I think there yeah. are so many similarities between the UK and the US and certainly in the military there is, but the perception of soldiers 
in the US and the UK is very different, which I've always found, yeah, really interesting. So yeah, I think, and then one thing to do trail running, it was, it was that, yeah, I guess it was that real challenge. And a lot of people think that, yes, it can be such an individual sport, but like for me, I, I've, I've surrounded myself with a core team of whether that sort of partners and sponsors to nutritionists, to coaches, to mm-hmm. my family, yeah. to sports masseurs, to whoever, race organizers and things yeah. like having that core, really strong group. Like obviously I want to do as well as I can for myself, but also for these people who have invested so much and given such huge effort to get you onto the start line in as best shape as possible. Yeah. You're on the start line and you're like, right, well, I now know what I need to do in order to achieve what everyone's gone out to do, which is yeah. exactly the same as, as you would in the military. So yeah, yeah. I think that so, so many comparisons for the, my motivation to want to start both. Yeah. So it's almost like your performance as an athlete does is, is honoring the the core team that you just talked about in a similar way that to your service in the military is honoring yeah. your, your fellow service men and women. And yeah, I think so. And it's, yeah. I think the, the military is really interesting because you're, there's a, it's a, it's quite a, a cheesy line, but in the military, you are trained to perform your best when you're feeling your worst, uh, but as an athlete, like, <laughs> which is the same as ultra running. Of course. Yeah. But as an athlete, you are trained to perform your best when you're feeling your best. Like you've had a, you've had a taper, you've carb loaded, mm. you've had loads of sleep, loads of recovery. Yeah. And for a hundred meter runner, brilliant. But actually as a trail runner, the race isn't won and lost in the first half. It's not, so you're doing a hundred miler. The race isn't decided until 100 miles. Yeah. Um, so I think there are so many similarities in the mindset needed between the military and ultra running. And there are so many, so many similarities. Yeah. Uh, so, so speaking of which, you know, you talk about the similarities in the mindset. Is there any sort of like routines or, or philosophies that have carried over or, um, or even training strategies that have carried over from your military days? I know you were active when you were, uh, when you were serving and you said you were doing a little bit of running, you're still competing in team sport, but any, uh, like practical or concrete things that carry over that you, you did when you were serving and that you still do now as an athlete? I think so. There was a lot of, a lot of emphasis put on like robustness and consistency. Um, like you're not going to, you're not going to be the best overnight. Um, and it takes a long time to build whether that's a team spirit, team ethos and to build yourself as an athlete. Like you're not going to achieve it in a day. You're not, you're not going to achieve it in a year or even a couple of years. Like it takes longer. And I think, yeah, I've realized sort of more so recently that consistency is just so important. You've just got to keep, you've got to keep showing up and just keep doing it as well as you, as well as you possibly can. So I think physically that, yes, that robustness is carried across. And, but I think mentally it's just that sort of sheer determination. You know what you've been, you've been told to achieve this and you're not necessarily being told how to do it. Mm -hmm. I think that's the great thing with, with ultra trail running. If you take a cross section of, five different athlete elite ultra distance trail runners they were all trained so differently yeah um, 
and whether that's because you li- where because that's where you live or it's because your background but if you compare that to five top class sprinters actually their training probably looks very similar I think, yeah i think for me in the military like how do we how do you skin how do you it's all problem solving uh. i think i think that's the same with ultra running firstly in the in the programming of training and i've, I've got a coach i've got a great team working around me um to make that all happen to make that all work but also in a race like things will happen things will go wrong and it's it's just little problem solving yeah. things that you can throw in that whether they distract you for a little bit or they just help you to to go further and to achieve to achieve what you want to achieve. So whether that's your stomach goes or you get lost on the trail, whether that's racing or training or your shoelace breaks or something goes wrong. Yeah, it's all problem solving. It's yeah. problem solving. Like that's all you've got to do. Like it's not you can make it as complicated as you want or you can make it as easy as you want, but it doesn't yeah. need to be complicated. And I've started coaching pretty recently and speaking to a couple of the athletes that I coach they've been coached before and their athletes have their coaches have overcomplicated things so much and I'm very much a basic runner like the, the phrase in the military is sort of basics basics done well yeah running is such a basic thing yeah yes it can be overcomplicated and the longer the race is the more complicated it can get but actually, I'm a massive fan of just simplifying things, like keeping it simple, because yeah. it's hard enough physically yeah. and mentally make it as easy as you can for yourself because it's hard. What we're doing yeah. is really hard. Running 100 miles is no joke. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just making, simplifying it mentally, I think is a, is a huge thing and a huge relief. Um, yeah. allows you to perform better. Yeah. Well, well, thanks. There's a lot of great stuff in, in that answer. And, uh, I'm really glad you mentioned the the consistency thing and the problem solving thing too. I was actually, I just recorded a conversation with Jason Schlarb too, who, who served in the U S military. And we, we actually didn't get around to talking about that in, in our conversation, but we talked a lot about consistency and problem solving and learning from mistakes. And it's so obvious how your background and your obvious natural talent set you up to to have the really quick and incredibly successful and impressive start to your career that you've had. One other question that I have as it regards to your, your military career before we move on. And this is more just like my, my own curiosity about, um, I guess the, how it's organized in your life or how it was. I mean, obviously there was a point where the military understood that you had a really bright future in the sport of trail and ultra running. And I think there was a situation, um, and correct me if I, if I'm wrong and feel free to explain this, but where you were still like actively serving and they recognized, Oh, Tom's got this talent. Let's give him the space to pursue it. How did that work? Were you, so you're still enlisted, um, but they sort of gave you the freedom to not have daily responsibilities and be more of like a representative. Yeah, pretty much exactly. And the British Army have been fundamental in getting me to where I am today. And the British Army has always been a huge sporting organization. Like from like recent history, you take 
an athlete like Dame Kelly Holmes, like Olympic gold medalist, was in the military and that set her up really well to do it. So sport is a huge, plays a huge part in the army's world. And every, every Wednesday afternoon in the British army is off so people can play sport, which, mm. is, in, which is incredible. And there's no, I don't know any other organization that does that. So firstly, well done, British army. <laughs> incredible. You gave me a lot of Wednesday afternoons to go and <laughs> muck about on a mountain bike or play sport or whatever. And so yeah, after I started racing, they sort of realized, right, this is a, this is, it's such a, it's such a popular sport in the British army and because, and, and with all militaries, because it's a real challenge. And there are, like we've already said, there are lots of crossovers. Mm. And I think that it then became a little bit difficult for them because I wasn't, I didn't come from a, a running specific background. It was difficult. And because it's not an Olympic sport, you can't get uh, a government body funding for it in the UK, so it's seen as more of a seen as more of a hobby rather than a sport. Um, so it was it was pretty difficult. So under the radar, it was a right. You can go off and do basically. We don't need to see you at work. Like just sort of come in come in if and when you can when it suits so don't go away the whole time but it was a very informal agreement between sort of my commanding officer saying right yeah you can go away and I had to ask like right I want to go here for two months like when I was training for CCC in 2018 I had two months in the Alps before to train which is incredible no other job would give you that much paid leave to go and do it so that I was incredibly lucky with that. Um, and it just got to the stage that because I didn't have a, I still had an official job in the army. I just wasn't doing it. When something would come up, it would be a, ah, oh, well, Tom's not, Tom's not doing it. Tom's not working. So he can go and do this small job because all he's really doing is training and um, you can do it. And that might've been, two days in advance, a week in advance or a month in advance. You just didn't really know. So it just became really difficult. And we tried to make it a formal sport, but there was uh, too much paperwork for that to happen. I hope, and hopefully I've set the ball rolling so that in the future, if someone else is in the same sort of shoes that I am, they can then go off and do it. So it didn't. That's cool. Yeah, so it, did, it, didn't, it didn't really work. But yeah, so basically the day after CCC in 2018, I handed in my notice um, and said, right, I'm going to do, I'm going to serve another year. And then uh, once that year is over, that's then me gone. And I really want to focus on, I've just won a, a really big race. I think I can do more. And I've seen that having the time to be a full-time athlete was really beneficial for me. Um, yeah. So yeah, and, and then so my yeah my last officially my last serving day in the British Army was the day of Western States last year. Wow, what a great story, that man! Last, when, and you had a, you had an amazing performance there, and uh, hopefully we'll we'll get around to talk about that a little bit. But uh, for those who don't know, you finished third and ran under fifteen hours, the first non-American to break that mark. 
and uh, you finished with your your patented military salute on the last day of your service. That's a that's an awesome way to to bring that career full circle. Well, we spent a lot of time talking about that, and uh, I again I find that just to be a, a fascinating part of your story and. Uh, you know, now after talking about it for a few minutes, you can easily recognize how it has set you up for, for so much success and how, um, yeah, there, there is so much crossover, as you said. And, you know, as an outside observer and, you know, somebody who, who doesn't know you super well, but, you know, has followed your career, you strike me as somebody who's like seriously like excellence focused. And you touched on this a little bit in your, um, in talking about the team that you have around you and the coaching and the massage. And it sounds like you're, you're going to be getting a massage here pretty soon. And you have this like air of professionalism about you. And I think you represent in a lot of ways, kind of the future of the sport in, in that regard. And, uh, you know, I've always sort of like tried to do the little things super well in my career as well. And, um, I think there's just so much value in someone like you kind of, um, having that, that like public facing feeling of professionalism in our sport. And I'm just curious where that kind of, um, where like, do you set super high standards for yourself? Are you like super excellence focused and, and where does that come from in your personality? Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's really interesting. Like, I think there is always, and I, I guess it's something I've carried over from being in the military. Like the military is split up into different small teams and small organizations that there are people in your team who are very good, but there is probably someone else somewhere who is better at doing something than you are. So for me, I was in the infantry. If I needed to fix a vehicle, I'm not going to do it myself. I'm going to let the experts do it. And I guess that's sort of kind of the role that I've sort of taken as, a, as the athlete. Yes, I've got to do the running bit of it. but And I want to be, like, I've, at the end of the day, like, I left a really good career in the military. I want to be as good in this sport as I can. And I've set myself that challenge and those goals of, and, I, and coming late into the sport, it's kind of like you, like, I don't yeah. know still now. Like, I've only been running for, two and a half, three years, um, which I, like, I'm really, I'm like, and I'm still really excited about it. Like I'm still, I'm doing workouts now for the first time. Like I've never done a workout session with a floating before. Yeah. I did that my first one maybe eight weeks ago. And I was like, oh my God, this is a game. Ch- How have I never done <laughs> this? This is ultra marathon training here. Yeah, um, yeah. And it's like, and I'm still getting so excited about these things, but I'm not, like I'm no coaching expert. I I'm interested in coaching and I've done some research, but there are people who are better suited to doing that. And same with nutrition and same with recovery protocols. And like you wouldn't, yeah, if you were a, if you were an accountant, you wouldn't be fixing your car and your mechanic wouldn't be, or hopefully is doing his tax, but he might get you to help him with his tax because yeah. that's the expert in the field and they're gonna know you can't be the best at everything. And running is, is I see it as the, the easy bit. So having that like really close core team around you, people who genuinely want the best for you mm. has been, yeah, has been key. And I, I guess I looked at, I looked at other sports and yes, trail running is a, 
it's it is turning more and more professional but i looked at i looked at something i looked at the marathon and i was like why why are marathoners only racing two maybe three races a year whereas you'll see some ultra athletes who are racing oh, yeah. eight 12 times a year and i see athletes like that racing 1200 k's a year yeah i'm like how on earth are you doing that like i there's no way I could perform at my or as good as I want to. Yeah. If I did it so much, like I want to be in this sport for the long run. And I think yeah. take someone like in the in the last couple of years, you take someone like Killian, who has gone from racing every other weekend to now being like, actually, I'm just gonna I'm gonna train really hard for a race, smash a race, mm-hmm. take a bit of time off, enjoy life, and then go back into it. And yeah. it's, it's what a marathoner would do. And it's, I sort of looked at the performances and how far performance had come with the marathon in the last five, 10 years and seeing the professionalism and seeing how everything has evolved there. And I guess trying to take that into, into trail running that yes, the sport isn't professional, mm-hmm. but it has professionalized so much in the last, yeah. in the last years. like there's now you go to certain races, there'll be appearance fees, yeah. which five years ago, that would have been a, you unheard you, of. Yeah. You want what? Yeah. Uh, so I think the sport is going there. Like I kind of see it as the sport is where like Ironman triathlon was five, 10 years ago, but I think it will be where Ironman triathlon is in the next couple of years. Like I Me think too. if you're a, if you're a two fourteen marathoner, that's really quick but it's not quick enough to do anything with. Um, You're not going to the world championships. You're not going to the Olympics. You're not going to the Commonwealth games. You're kind of, and you're not going to finish top 10 in any majors. Yeah. You're like, well, kind of why would you do it? And if you can translate and you can transfer that onto the trails, which is definitely isn't a given because there are lots of very quick marathoners who crumble on the trails. But I think if you can, transition it it's gonna push the sport on so much and they'll take their professionalism from ncaa's and working in a sort of elite track and elite road club and then bring that onto the trails which i think will be that will then give trail running the next step forward um and people do it in a different way like i've recently i've been doing more like cross country and road running stuff which is probably a little bit more american style compared to European, whereas you compare an athlete like Killian, mm-hmm. Killian trains for trail running by doing mountaineering, by skiing, by climbing yeah, to get him really fit for the trails. Whereas that's not me. I, I train 5k half marathon cross country yeah. to get fit for the trails. So I think there is such the European and American scene is so different yet. The overall goal is you still it's want to same. win. Yeah. Like, the goal is the same. But yeah. the way of getting there is so different. And I think that's, there's two different completely models, two different, two completely different models, yeah. but being to the same goals, which I think is, is super exciting. And I think the sport will continue to develop, to develop. And I think we'll just see kind of like with the marathon, we'll see sort of performances sort of just getting lower and lower and lower. And in, in 20 years time, like Jim's Western States record, I think it will always be amazing. But it's just going to get, it's, people are just going to sort of knock away at it, knock away at it, knock away yeah. at it. In 20 years time, it's going to be 
it's it's really exciting. I think that's the way that that's the way that the sport the sport is going, and I think we'll continue to do so. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's great. And and I think the example people like you set is really good for the next generation of athletes. And I'm sort of the generation before you. And as you mentioned, um, you know, when I came into the sport, you really couldn't pursue it professionally. You know, basically everybody still had side jobs and most of the the best athletes were uh, not able to really focus on it in a, in a way that a a real professional would. And to me, it's just a really exciting thing about the future is uh, seeing the best athletes in the world, be able to really devote everything to it. And as you said, uh, I think what we'll see also, and that we've started to see already with few exceptions is uh, the best athletes focusing on, on few, races per year and hopefully having longer careers as a result. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's good to hear. And, um, again, just like as a outside observer and an Instagram follower of yours, it's, it's really inspiring to see like the professional, um, sort of strategy mindset philosophy that you, that you take day to day. So I'd encourage people to, to follow along if they aren't already. Um, so sort of in the same vein in setting really high standards for yourself, what is your kind of relationship to self-belief? Like it, is that something that comes naturally to you? Do you have, um, a high confidence in your ability abilities or is that something you have to, to work at? I think it's, it's something at the beginning that I didn't even think of. Like I was standing, like I've been interested in, I've been interested in endurance sports forever, whether that's watching the Tour de France or being aware of who was running at UTMB and all of these things. So I was always aware of it. And I'd see these huge names. Like I'd see the Killians, the Ryan Sands, you, and I'd see all these and Francois and you'd see all these people and, you'd sort of see them at a race and sort of to be like, Oh my God, they're over there and go and to grab a selfie and get a, get an autograph. And I think only sort of really struck me at Western States last year that had a, um, had a message from Ryan Sands being like, Hey mate, I hope, hope you're well. Like, let me know if you need anything um, before the race, but really good luck. Looking forward to seeing you out there. Mm-hmm. And you're just, and then at that point, you you realize like your your sort of heroes and the people that you aspired to be like you're now seen by them and seen by others as an equal. Mm-hmm. And I think it's almost like a little bit of imposter syndrome that I definitely didn't. I was on the start line there. I didn't feel like I belonged yeah. um, because I'd never done a hundred miler before. Out race miles, I probably raced the least amount out of anyone in that field. It was, I got in via the Ultra Trail World Tour, so didn't need to do the lottery. Yes, I would have got in from Lake Sonoma, but that doesn't matter. And I didn't, yeah, I almost didn't feel like I deserved it. Yes, I knew the training that I'd done before and I dedicated, I went to Ethiopia for two months to train at altitude in the heat. And that was incredible. but that was, I wasn't training with Ultramans, I was training with Ethiopians and, um, and a guy from New Zealand. And it was, yeah. it was just bizarre. And that was, I was pretty much marathon training with some long runs there. So I didn't feel, yeah, I got to the start line, just didn't feel like I necessarily deserved to be there. And 
yeah, it was, that was kind of kind of the first time. And I think I'd never sort of really spoken to a psychologist. And I think that was sort of the one, I guess, big missing piece from my setup until, until COVID. And I've pretty much spoken to, as you know, the, the system at Red Bull is incredible. And if, if you want to speak to someone, you can, yeah. uh, they will set that up. So I've been speaking to a psychologist, a sports psychologist, pretty much every week about self-belief in this period of doubt where I think the training that I've been doing uh-huh. up until the last couple of weeks where I've actually got to race. Like, I think the training's, yes, it's different, but I think the training has been really good, but actually there's no external validation saying, yes, like you've run a PB or yes, you've won a race or you've done whatever. And for me, that was, that was really tough as I've always sort of challenged myself and then had a race at the end of the tunnel. Whereas for this strange period, it's been, yes, I've changed my training up. I changed my coach at the beginning of lockdown. I moved house at the end of last year, like lots of changes. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't know how much that was going to affect my performance. And as like a performance-based athlete, having not been able to test myself, yes, I can test myself in workouts, but it's not the same as a race. And I guess, yeah, it was, it was really tough. And that self-belief wasn't necessarily there. And I think it'll be, for me, it'll be really interesting now coming off the roads back onto the trails being like, Oh, I've just spent the last year road running. Like, do I belong here? And I think mm-hmm. I used to be able to sneak under the radar for races and people like, Oh, Terman's like, yeah, he's done. Well, firstly, people think that I'm Tom Owens. Um, <laughs> and yeah. like, I've been booked into, gone to races where I've been booked, where the race organizer thinks that Tom Owens is arriving and they've sort of, in the hotel that all the athletes are staying in, Tom Owens has a room. Oh my God. <laughs> Which is just brilliant. Um, so hold on, just, just to like provide context for the listeners, Tom Owens is another great British ultra runner. And of course your name is Tom Evans and they're, they're similar. And, and Tom, Tom Owens has been on the scene much longer than you. So race directors may have more familiarity. Yeah, Sorry. Brilliant. I just wanted to, to, to yeah, interject yeah. there. So keep going. Yeah, so they think they, they think that they've invited Tom Owens to a race, but <laughs> Tom Evans has arrived and like, Oh, we don't know who you are, but fine. You can race anyway. Um, and so, yeah, I think like a little bit of imposter syndrome and yeah, that self-belief I think is, it's there now. Like I believe, I believe in my ability and I think with the support that I managed to gather from coaches and everyone around there, so that team, that really close knit group and that team that, yeah, I do now believe that I'm able to fulfill my potential and use that use that support and we've got I guess just such an I think and I think what we have sort of created is just this like that communication something goes well brilliant talk about it something goes badly fine talk about it but learn from the bad things and actually even if something goes wrong you can still learn from it and you can turn it into a positive and I think that's been that's been so key with believing in myself and I've put myself in pretty tough places. This is like I raced the British Championships five thousand meters on the track two weekends mm-hmm. ago. Yeah, stood there like felt like I definitely don't belong here. Like I've not I've run one race on the track before, and now I'm here. Yeah, and I think that psychology going into that race 
was really tough. And I think it's, it's something that hasn't necessarily been spoken about massively. And in a, in a five, in a 5,000 meter race, it's all right because you've only got 14 minutes to think about it. Yeah. Whereas <laughs> your hundred mile race, your first hundred miler, you've got fit. If you're lucky 15 hours to think about it yeah. and to second guess yourself and to doubt yourself. And I think it's so important. I think that's, that's where the, that confidence and that real belief comes through. And if you can almost convince yourself that you're confident and believe in the training that you've done. And like we said earlier, like people train so differently. It's not like a, right. If you follow this training program, you'll be amazing. It's you kind of, you take bits from everywhere and get to where you want to get to. And yeah, I think just having a bit more and being quite inexperienced with this all. And I think, yeah, for me that the more experience I have, the more confidence. Belief, will come. I yeah. think that's why I've got such a big team to sort of try and instill that confidence in yeah. me. Um, and yeah, coming from a team sports background, you do something wrong. You've got the rest of the team to, to pick you up and to help you out. Whereas yeah. if something goes wrong in a race, it's kind of just you on your own. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's super, super interesting. Yeah, no, that's great, man. And I think it sounds like you really do focus on every piece of the puzzle to create this, uh, you know, performance or create you as uh, as a great athlete and to move you towards the trajectory you want to take in your career. And that self-belief thing, I think, is just so important, especially for people like you and I who don't come from running backgrounds and who, yeah, show up and feel like, oh, I don't belong. And it makes me feel so good to hear that story about Ryan Sands, who's a, a longtime friend of, of mine and somebody who, um, you know, sort of came up in the sport at the same time and him reaching out to you just to check in and say, let me know if you need anything. And uh, I think it just speaks really highly of the people um, who are present in the sport, especially at the highest level. And now it'll be up to people like you to, to pass that on to, to the next generation, um, you know, when you're at, Western States in 2027 or something like that. So it's really cool. And, um, I'm glad to hear that that's something that you actively pursue because I think to be the best in the world, you do have to have that, uh, that self-belief. And, you know, I think for me, it's been always something I've had to, to work on as well. And something I've always sort of wrestled with, but yeah. So to talk more specifically about, um, your career and some of the performances, you, you obviously talked about marathon to Saab as we were talking about your, uh, your background where you finished third and what was really like your first ever race. And certainly like something that must've been really difficult for you to train for specifically because you live in the UK and the race obviously is in, you know, over the sand and desert environment, very, uh, not similar to, to where you live. How, uh, how did that, um, change your view of your, your own athletic ability and, and how is the, the Tom Evans of today different than the one who stood on that marathon to sob start line in 2016 or whenever that was? Yeah, 2017. I was incredibly naive. I didn't, I didn't have a coach before man to sob. I did no specific training whatsoever. I didn't run on sand. I didn't run with a pack. I didn't do anything. Um, it quite literally was for me, that race is all about mindset. Um, and it's like, it, it, it's a tough race, 
but it's not. And people have sort of spoken about it. Oh, it's the toughest race in the world. And uh, yeah, it is. It is tough. It's significantly tougher for the mid packers and the people at the back of the race than it is for those at the front, because you're at the front of the race. It's less time on your feet. It's more time in the shade, more time recovering, more time between stages. Um, so I guess, yeah, the first time I ever ran on sand was day one of Mountain de Sub. Um, I, I just didn't, I was so naive going into the race. I, I'd done no specific training and I, I genuinely believe now that with the right training, the race is so winnable. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's, de- it's definitely one of my goals for the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, it's such a cool race. And for me, it's so iconic being my first race and going, going back, I learned so much about training as a looking at training, not just as like a singular axis thing, but as a 360 degree, as I think you've got to for a race like Matt in the Saab, like it's, you're running in and around a marathon every day for three days, day four, a double marathon a day off and then a marathon the last day. And so you're never running that fast. So it's actually more of a, a faster race mm-hmm. where you just got to be super robust because you've just got to do it day in, day out. So, and it's, it was looking at that and right. How does, how does hydration work around that? How does nutrition work around that? How does pacing work? How does going like, do you go off pace? Do you go off heart rate? Do you go off, sort of perceived rate of exertion and feel, uh, what footwear do you wear? What socks are you wearing? Like what's your kit? What pack are you wearing? There was so much to think about that led to that overall performance. And I think all of those small things I ticked off, I did, I did really well. And like, kind of like you say, there's, I'd take some small piece of the jigsaw puzzle and get someone to help me with them. Like speaking to whether it's like, Elizabeth Barnes. I spoke to Jason Schlab before. Mm-hmm. I see someone who's done it before. Spoke to loads of people and would speak to anyone who I could about it and sort of get there. Or what would you recommend? And take all of the little sort of snippets of information and put it together. So I think for me, like nutrition, hydration, all of that was really good. But the actual running side of it wasn't that good. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that that was a, and that was a very military approach. It was problem solving. How yeah. do I, how do I get my pack as light as possible, but with everything that I need for a week? And it's a very military race. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think I think I've just carried so I learned so much during that race that still plays a huge part. And I think specificity is one of them, and it's the same with my same with my training now. Like for a before a race, if I've got a sixteen week training block, like eight weeks will be in the UK and then probably do six weeks away somewhere and then two weeks wherever I'm going to do that race um, to acclimatize. And I think, yeah, and I think training that way for me really works because I, I like being at home and I've got, yeah, that's kind of like you, I've got dogs and we've got chickens <laughs> at the beginning of lockdown, which are, are just the best animals ever. <laughs> Um, and yeah, and I think I learned so much from that race and so inexperienced going in and to finish and finish the event. I really caught that bug. Like had I finished 15th still would have been 
I would have still been so happy with that result. It would have been incredible. But I think to finish on the podium and to really have that feeling like at the beginning, day one, you were like, I definitely don't belong here. I've got 15 kilograms on everyone else here. Yeah. Um, and just so like finish day one in fourth place, day two in fourth place, day three in third place, day four in second place. And you just slowly feel every day you just felt like you belong a little bit more. And then to then mm-hmm. finish on the podium um, was just like, this is crazy. Yeah. Um, and you really caught that bug. Um, and the, right, if you do, you weren't, definitely weren't the best runner on paper, but you probably did the 1%, 2% better than everyone else. And actually all those 1% and 2% all slowly add up. And yeah. like basics done well. Running is a basic sport. Do those simple things to the best of your ability and you'll be really good. Like, don't worry. Like, if you don't worry about going to altitude and don't worry about doing, getting the fanciest shoes and doing all of this, like, like work on your mobility, like work on your speed, do like the basic things. That's going to add up to so much more. Like, yes, going to altitude is brilliant and sleeping in an altitude <laughs> tent, awesome. That's like a one percenter. Like there's so yeah. much more basic training and basic lifestyle choices you can do that are gonna make you so much better rather than those like small nice to haves. Yeah. Oh, it's a great point, man. It's a another great lesson for uh those who are listening who who again may feel inexperienced as you did or may feel like they don't belong is yeah just like the small things done well as you said it really does make a big difference and i want to expand on something that you've mentioned now a couple of times and that is you living where you do in the uk do you ever view that as a disadvantage as it relates to trail and ultra running because obviously you know most of your counterparts who live in europe are you know, in mountainous locations where they can train specifically as we're talking about uh, for Marathon de Saab. But, you know, in most cases for things like CCC or Western States or whatever, I mean, in any race, it helps to train specifically. And as you mentioned, you don't have big hills around you. How do you think about, um, you know, where you live as it relates to to your performance? I think, you- I think it's huge. Um, mm-hmm. And I can I'd be lying if I said there are points physically where I feel like I could be at a disadvantage, like with Strava and everything these days you can see. And if you're looking at pre-Western States, you're looking at, oh, some guys have just done like rim to rim in the canyon and things. And I then sort of look at my route and I'm like, oh, this is, this just doesn't compare. Um, so I think physically, yes, and I'll elaborate on that in a second. But I think for me, mentally, being at home, like I, I enjoy going away on a training camp and it's a great, right, let's really knuckle down and let's really focus. But actually for me, like that whole 360 degrees of training, like being here, like in our house, like me and Soph, my partner, like, and having a home life, Mm. And having dogs and having chickens and being able to see friends and family for me is so important. I think that's what's going to make me be consistent for the years to come. Like I won't be my best this year, next year, the year after. I'm hoping that comes four, five, six years down the line. 
in order to still be loving what I do in six, seven, eight years down the line, you've got to balance it. And yeah. for me, like, I could, I could have decided like, right, I'm going to go live in flag or I'm going to go live in Boulder or whatever. And it would have been amazing. And physically it probably would have, it probably would have helped. But actually for eight out of 10 times in the year being here, like I can still work on like fundamentally running is running. And like, if you look at like scientifically, if you work at it, like, what am I, I'm trying to become the most efficient runner that I possibly can be. Yes. Specifically, you can do that in the mountains with uphills and training specifically for that, but actually to be efficient, there are better ways of doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and does that, is that marathon training? Is that by in, by sort of delaying your lactate turn point and delaying the onset of lactic acid or your body being able to deal with that lactic acid for a little bit longer or is it actually working on like your max speed or whatever it is and actually all of those small things like trail running is not quite so simple because it's not a or not and actually and on paper the best athlete doesn't necessarily always win because yeah. there's so many more uncontrollable factors whether that's hydration nutrition the terrain and I think, and that's the great thing about trail running. Each race is so different. Um, and even in the US, like you compare, like yes, Lake Sonoma and Western States are pretty similar, but you compare hard rock to Western States, like completely different races. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think training the UK, I can get the, I can get the foundation. I can do the basics really well. Mm-hmm. And then I'll go and do a, an eight week and I can sort of do the, uh, the underneath the sea level of the iceberg sort yeah. of thing. Uh-huh. I can build that foundation. I can get efficient. I can get fast. I can build on everything. I've got amazing friends, family, training partners, everyone here. Yeah. And I can go away and just sharpen things up training specifically. Um, and actually like even here, like I can get in the, like, in the UK, we see driving for, 90 minutes is a long way because everything's so close. It's a yeah. small, whereas you go to the U S and people living in Flagstaff <laughs> drive to the Grand Canyon twice a week in the yeah. car for six hours. <laughs> if I, I can do that I, here, I can drive. If I drove for three hours to get somewhere, I could have 4,000 feet mountains to train. In. Yeah. Uh, so you, I, I, I can do it and I do do it. Yeah. Um, when I'm training for auction. And I think my training is just so, it's so specific to that course and to that race. And actually, we, and a lot of that came from, um, came from your coach, Coop, and yeah. reading, like I've read, I dread to think how many times I've read his book. And actually, when I was training for, Mar- when I was training for Western States, dissecting your training about Western States and taking the ratio of the course, like, right, for every 10 miles I run, I want my overall elevation gain and loss to be this. And I was mm-hmm. sort of mapping out on Strava and on Garmin, getting courses around here to make it work. And for race like Western States, it was pretty easy to train here because there's not that much elevation. Yeah. Um, whereas training for race like UTMB, which I'll be doing next year, hopefully, is yeah, is pretty different. And 
for that, yeah, I will, for a race like that, I will need to go somewhere to train specifically for it. But yeah. I think that for me, that's the, yes, getting good on hills is, is great and it's really important and you can't just achieve it overnight. But I think actually if you go in having the biggest engine possible, you can just sort of modify your training for six, eight weeks and just really sharpen up and yeah. improve on that skill because there'll be points in the race where, and I remember at CCC in 2018, I did a bit, I was sort of back and forwarding with Pal Capel and he would, every uphill, he would overtake me. Um, but then every downhill, I'd overtake him. Yeah. So just leapfrogging for the whole race and you, you play to your strengths and, I think for me, like, yeah, it'd be great to, it'd be great to go to flag for time or it'd be great to sort of live in the Alps for a year or six months, but I'd miss so much. Like yeah. I would, I wouldn't be as happy. And I think like you run with a smile on your face, you run so much better. Totally. Um, like I love my family. I love my home. I love being able to have a, a bad workout and come back in and my yeah. dogs are so excited to see me. Like, <laughs> like yeah. It, it's, there's so much more. Yes, I love running and it's, it's not, I'd never call it a job, but it's, yes, it's, it's how I make my living, but there's so much more to life than just running. Um, and the more that I run, the more I realize that and having things outside of the sport is so important. Yeah, I think people, young people asking like, Oh, I want to be a professional athlete. How do I become a professional athlete. And it's like, that's so great that you want to do it. And I would 100% recommend it, but just be aware that you need hobbies outside of it. I don't necessarily suggest if you're, if you're trying to run trail, then your hobby might, you might not want to do windsurfing as your hobby. It might not work, but actually like you might want to do a bit of gardening or you might want to learn about something else because yeah. it's so nice to, be able to take a little bit of time and not think about it. like I can get into my house, close the door and and not really think about running, which I think is is so nice. And in order for me to be really consistent, yeah. I think that, that's what I need. That's sort of my personality. When I need to train hard, I train really hard. Yeah. I can relax and I can really relax and just completely remove myself from it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's another just really great insight and uh, something that I think will make people who don't live in places like Flagstaff and, and Chamonix and Boulder uh, feel really good. I mean, as you said, you can get the bulk of the basics done where you live, no matter what the terrain looks like. And then if you have the the luxury and the, the ability to go away and do a training camp, um, yeah, even if it's a a shorter stint, um, as long as you're training specifically, um, you can still salvage amazing performances as, uh, you know, you've seen at Western States and CCC. And, um, the, I think this is something that, again, we're going to see more of in the future is, is athletes sort of doing that is going away on training camps a little bit more as has been the case in, in other um, endurance sports for, for decades now. And, uh, it's something that, that I've employed myself when I was living in California and getting ready for UTMB. I re recognize that that's not a good way to, to train specifically. And this is again, something that Jason Coop has really instilled in me in my career is the importance of that specificity. So going out to Colorado where, um, I lived for a long time and where 
I do get those like good feelings that you're talking about. Um, and then being able to, um, use that specificity, um, that I gathered over only six or eight weeks at the moment when it matters most at UTMB or TDS or whatever the case may be. And I think the other thing that's really important that you touched on is just this idea of like emotional fitness, balancing our physical fitness and something that I think a lot of, uh, you know, aspiring pros or, you know, amateur trail runners as well will get a lot out of is just like, it, it really does make a difference, you know, when you have the things like your partner close by and your family and your friends and just like feeling at home has like a performance enhancing quality to it as well, you know, uh, as opposed to you know, going somewhere where you're totally isolated, even though you're at altitude or all these other things. If you lack that like emotional feeling of like, I'm in a good place, it, it may have a negative impact on your performance. Tom, mm -hmm. we've already been going an hour and I got to run in like 10 or 15 minutes. I want, I would love to go into details on, on Western States and CCC, but if you have, a, we'll have to save that for another one. Um, because I want to talk a bit about, um, your recent half marathon before before I let you go, if you've got a little bit more time, yeah. um, you ran one Oh three and change in a half marathon, just, uh, I don't know, a week or so ago, or even a few days ago. And yeah, that's like, week. that's just crazy fast, man. for people who, uh, you know, this, the stateside ultra fans, it's faster than Jim Walmsley ran when he ran a half marathon. And, um, you, as you said, have do certain like, um, training blocks or have, uh, some sort of emphasis on track races, sometimes on cross country races, now a half marathon. How does all that versatility make you a better trail runner? I think, and I think that's key. Versatility is, is the word. Um, because there are no, you take a trail race, a trail race isn't like a, a road marathon where like, you're training for a road marathon you know exactly what you've got to do. You know exactly what the course is going to be like, whether you're training for Berlin or London or Chicago, it's kind of going to look the same. Whereas if you take a race like, if you take a race like Western States, yes, there are some hilly bits, but actually there's a lot of very, very runnable terrain. And if you can move quickly, and be efficient moving out a little bit quicker, then your overall time is, is going to be quick. And I think being super versatile, it means that, yes, I may not be, I may be a six out of 10 on the uphills. I may be a six, seven out of 10 on the technical downhills, but actually you get to a runnable, slightly downhill bit in a race. I, and you just, I just back, I, that's then when I really have my self-belief. Uh. Because I know I've put that work in. So people will have different strengths and different parts of the race. And like if I take the last, so finishing UTMB or finishing CCC, you've got a downhill five miles. Like I would, yeah, I would feel, if I got to that neck and neck with someone, I would feel very confident in my own ability at that point that I'm quicker. Yeah. Um, so and I and I think yeah it's been it's been it's been really interesting and hopefully not finished with the half marathon quite yet. Hopefully got another one in in a month's time, um, but we'll see. And yeah, it was it was really cool. And I think it's there's 
yeah, it's, you've got to play to your strengths. And I think in the UK, as, and I think just for trail running in general, I think a lot of people see trail running and ultra running as something that they do after they have sort of finished their serious running career. Mm-hmm. Or it's sort of just for people who live in the mountains. And I think for me, like, if you run, you're a runner. And this like great tribe, this great community of runners, like for me, it doesn't matter if you're a track runner, a trail runner, a road runner, a treadmill runner. Like if you run, you're a runner. And a lot of pigeon, and I've definitely done it to myself, like pigeonholing yourself into being like one type of runner. Like I love running, whether that's, cross country, road, trail, mountain, track. I love running and I love the challenge that it poses. And I just, I just want to do as much of it as I can. Uh, (laughs) And there's no way had Corona and COVID not happened this year, there's no way I would have done, I wouldn't have run 5k on the road. I wouldn't have run a half marathon. I, I just wouldn't have, I wouldn't have had that opportunity to do it. But I thought like, actually, right. I can't really race on the trails. I can't, in order for me to be the best trail athlete I can possibly be, I do the bulk of my work, very specific work in the UK. I then go away on a training camp. I then go and race. And with the current global climate, I can't do that. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's how I train. That's how I want to do things. And it's actually been like, right, well, let's get fast. Like let's relative, relatively fast. Like let's get comfortable running. Let's get really comfortable running at, six minute miling pace let's get comfortable at running five minute miling pace and let's see what we can push because actually when there are sections in if you can be really comfortable running six minute miling pace there are certain sections of western states that if you can six minute mile for 15 20 miles there like no one's very few people are going to be comfortable running at that pace and if you can do efficiently and not be working that hard, but at relative speed, you're just going to open up a huge gap. And even yeah. points, even points in UTMB, like when you're coming down from Grand Col de Ferret, you've got third. You have a half marathon yeah. downhill. Like the amount of time that you can make up on that. Like I would, yeah, you can make up so much time there. Yeah, and that all comes to efficiency. And if you're not, if you're working less hard but faster than the other people around you. Amazing. Yeah. It's been, it's been really cool. And it's been another, it's been a different challenge. Like it's really stimulated me mentally doing different workouts. I've learned so much about myself, like not coming from a track and road background. I've learned so much about my physiology and the training that works for me, fueling recovery. Yeah. So it's, been, it's been super, super interesting. And now yeah. I guess, to get the opportunity to race has been, um, has been really cool. That's great. And again, yeah, a great lesson. And uh, when I was coming up in the sport, really nobody was doing stuff like that. You know, nobody's jumping into cross country races or running half marathons or, or training really specifically for like a 5k on a track. And obviously like the skill set um, does carry over, but also that mental stimulation, get, taking a break from the trails then gives you a little bit more of that like emotional, uh, psychological freshness when you do reapproach approach the trails with that extra efficiency. It's a, another, uh, a great, 
Great point. Um, dude, I've got one more question for you before I've got to run. Um, and I definitely do want to have you back on so we can talk about Western States and CCC and your own coaching and your, your, uh, recent coaching change. I think all that stuff really is worthy of, of discussion. Unfortunately, we're, we're constrained by time today, but I appreciate your time. And, uh, one last thing before you go, um, maybe just tell us a little bit about what you have planned for the future. What gets you excited? I know you said UTMB, uh, maybe next year, but give us a glimpse into what's next for Tom Evans. Yes, I guess, I guess short term, um, I'm going to do a, I'm going to do a marathon. Um, going to do a road marathon at the British Olympic trials. Um, roll the dice, see what, see what will happen. Um, what are you, what are you targeting there? Uh, we'll see. Um, <laughs> who knows? Um, yeah, yeah. depends on the course. Like, like there's so many uncontrollable factors. I think mean, that's the great thing about a trial race. Yeah. Like not necessarily the best runner will win. And if the conditions are horrendous and it turns into a mental, a mental battle, then I think with that trail and ultra experience will hold me in a good stead to maybe run better than I would have done on a perfect day. But yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see how I roll the dice. Um, I think next year, um, a, a bit of a combination, like I really want to run races that will suit me coming out of, coming out of this faster block. So whether UTMB happens next year, who knows, but races like, uh, Transvolcania, um, is a definite list for me. And then other races sort of on the road, like, I really want to do comrades, um, uh, especially coming from a quicker. And if I've just done a marathon, it kind of makes sense to, mm-hmm. to do sort of Transvolcania, quick, bit technical, lots of downhill, and then into comrades. Um, definitely, definitely go back to Western States. Um, it's just, it's just such an incredible, such an incredible race. And if anyone who's had the opportunity to race it or to be mm-hmm. a part of it, it's amazing. Um, yeah, and a couple of other races in races in the US, like even even races like um, the Barkley Marathon, is really, <laughs> really? really it really interests me. I think yeah, uh, it's a problem solving, isn't it? And yeah, wow, that's, that's so interesting. Solving. It's problem solving. It's map reading. Like it's very yeah. military, um, and I just love it. Uh, yeah. I absolutely love it. So oh, that would be great to see. Yeah. yeah. And it'd be such a massive challenge. Um, yeah. so really, I really want to do that. Um, and then, yeah, just kind of, kind of see what happens. Like definitely taking the same approach that you can't do everything in one year. Um, mm-hmm. I, I want to be doing this. I want to be racing competitively for a long time. Then I've got a couple of, sort of really big FKTs sort of that I almost like, kind of sort of want to earn the right to be able to then challenge at. Um, so yeah, I think just racing and enjoying, enjoying life. And if, if it means that I race, I end up not racing the trails at all this year, because there's not the opportunity, then, then that's fine. And I'll, I'll race some cross country and race some stuff on the road. And yeah. And then when things then reopen for me next year, being able to take sort of that speed and that was a relative speed and that, um, desire to get back on the trails and I'm sort of it emotionally super happy and super excited to get back on the trail. Um, will hopefully lead to, um, yeah, to some, to some performances that I could be really, really happy about. Yeah. 
Well, dude, I'm a big fan. And, uh, like I said, I think you have a really bright future and I think you do a great job representing yourself and the sport. And, uh, it's been great to, to sort of follow along, but now to be able to sit down and chat and get to know you a bit better, it's, uh, it's uh, really fun to see. And I think, um, the future of the sports in good hands with, uh, with people like you and, and, um, you know, I'll look forward to, to following along with, with all those different adventures that you have on your bucket list and definitely do want to do round two at some point here, maybe in the not too distant future, but Tom Evans, thanks so much for coming on the show. Um, and, uh, yeah, all the best here in the, the coming months and, uh, yeah, stay safe over there in the UK. No, you do, but thank you. Thanks very much for everything. Catch you soon. All right, buddy. Cheers, pal. Thank you to Tom. I hope you guys really enjoyed that. It's really uh, quite remarkable to me how much uh, insight Tom was able to share there. He's a young man. He's relatively new to the sport, uh, but he really has a good head on his shoulders in addition to having all the talent in the world. And I am really looking forward to following his future in the sport. If you enjoy this podcast, uh, be super appreciative. If you give Tom a shout, let him know on social media. If you could leave me a rating or review, I would obviously be super appreciative of that. Share it with a friend if you feel so compelled. Um, But more than anything, keep listening. I got a lot of fun ideas in the can for the future, and I really do appreciate uh, the feedback that we get and, and just the fact that so many people are listening and enjoying. So I am very thankful to you all for being here and uh, keep tuning in. Okay. Love you. Bye.